Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. All right, praise the Lord. So we're going to be inside of 1 John 1 today, um, and we're going to be going through verses 1 through um, 1 through 10. And I'm going to jump right in because y'all know me. I'm always like, I'll be done in a second. And that usually means 40 more minutes. All right. And my, my wife, she be giving me the look over there or whatever. So, all right. So we're in First John 1. A lot of y'all probably read this text before. And I know we mentioned this text inside of um, just in our sermons all the time. And it's an amazing, it's amazing text but it's a little bit more difficult to preach because it has a lot of kind of curves and all this other good stuff or whatever. And I'm just praying that Holy Spirit would allow me to actually um, pretty much dig deep into this word for us this morning. But first thing I want to do on this text right here on 1 John 1 is I want to give you the context of it. And the reason I want to give you the context is because for me, um, and I think this is true for all of us, knowing the context of a scripture helps the scripture land a little bit different, right? And so John is, even though he didn't put his signature on this text, he is said to be the person that actually wrote this text or whatever, right? And there's a couple of reasons that it's said. One is because of the writing style. Um, two is because of all the different authors, excuse me, other writers that were around during his time that said that he uh, wrote it. And, um, and, and then there's also this reference that we're going to see in 1 John 1 where it starts off and he's giving this firsthand account of being with Jesus or whatever, right? He's saying like we heard him, we saw him, we touched him, all these different things. And so people are like, that's John. And so it hits different. You ever been to a funeral before and like somebody's passed away and then that person's like home, your good friend comes to kind of talk about them? You know what I'm talking about? It means something different. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if like somebody they work with or something came through, like their boss or whatever, you'd be like, he probably ain't like that person anyway, whatever, like shut up. But like when their homie comes up crying and everything, they're like, that was my man. He never ever, he had my back. One time we jumped somebody in like meals, 10, you know what I'm saying? You feel that thing a little bit different. Maybe you never had anybody say that he jumped somebody, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all wanna act funny today or whatever, all right. But anyway, you feel that thing different. And so that's what it is in the Bible too. When you kind of break through the context of a scripture or whatever, it means something different when you read it. Cause you're like, this is, this person's, this person's bleeding on the paper right now. They're laying their heart out. And so John does this in this text right here, right? And we're going to start off, I'm going to read a little bit of it. We're going to break up. The, 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 the bulk of the text we're going to be in that I really want you to get today is verse 5 through 10. But the thing is, is that in verses 1 through 4, it's kind of the setup, right? It's kind of the runway before the plane takes off where John is kind of given this credibility. And he starts off in, on the first part of verse 1 with just establishing the supremacy of God, right? He says, that which was from the beginning, that's, if anybody tells you like, you know what I'm saying, like, What's my man who be screaming like, um, what's he say since, uh, since day one? Is that the guy, the, bo- who, the fighter, you know what I'm talking about? What's his phrase? Since day one. Is that what he says? Come on, man. I know some of y'all watching MMA. Stop acting like you act all super Christian up in here. But anyway, 
When you say like, you tell somebody like, yo, we've been rolling since day one, you're establishing the credibility of that thing. You're saying like, yo, we've been rolling since the, you know what I'm saying, since we were in pampers, since we are in diapers. So when he starts talking about Jesus right here, he goes, that which was from the beginning. And he uses the word that is because he's about to fill up that with a whole bunch of different words inside of the text, right? He's going he's gonna to explain to you what it is so he doesn't let the cat out of the back too early. But me and you know, we know that he's talking about the Lord, right? He says, that which was from the beginning. First off, he wants you to know as the, as the reader, it's the king of kings and lord of lords. We don't even have a, a, a box for the for beginning of time and the beginning of anything. We don't really comprehend that. And he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we, have, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. He's saying, I actually touch what I'm talking about. And then he explains to that. He goes, concerning the word of life. So he calls that the word of life. And then in verse 2, he says, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it. So before, he calls it the word of life, and he says the life was made manifest. In other words, the word, Jesus our Lord, actually, he, the word becomes physical. We're talking about the incarnation, God coming into flesh, into Jesus. So he says the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life. Any of y'all ever been in court and had to testify? I'm just playing with you. I want to see who's snitching up in here. All right. I'm going to leave y'all alone. All right. I want to get none, no, no fight start up in here. Like, oh, you was in there telling on somebody? Okay. You know, but he, he says, and testify to it. He's saying, we're about to give you a firsthand account, homie. We've heard, we've seen, we looked upon, we touched it or whatever. We're not telling you about something we're not intimate with. We, we know what we're actually talking about, right? And he says, he says, testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. I want to say something else about John's credibility, right? John, in the Bible, John is referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved, right? So when I tell you he has credibility to be writing this, number one, from a standpoint of just the Holy Spirit, empower him to do it, of course. But he actually had relational credibility. Matter of fact, during the Last Supper, when um, Jesus kind of makes a little comment about Judas, like, yo, one of y'all going to stab me in the back, he makes the comment. And then Peter, we know Peter is Jesus' homie also, right? But Peter actually looks over at John and says, yo, ask him who he's talking about. That's actually in the text. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's like with my kids or whatever. When one of them's in trouble or whatever, and they know, like, you know, somebody else is in good standing, they might be like... Yo, ask mom and dad what they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they, they might answer you. So, so John has, even the other disciples know that, like, Jesus loves them, right? Jesus loves them, whatever. So he has crazy credibility. And then in verse 3, which is so significant here, is because it, it tells why. Before we go into verse 5 through 10, verse 3 tells us why he's about to say whatever, what he's going to say, right? He says, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And he says, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then in verse four, four, he gives us a reason too. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I want to give you a good definition of fellowship because you're going to see it throughout the text. Fellowship is, the biblical Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, right? 
and it's usually translated into like communion, fellowship, sharing in common, and to partake or sharing, right? So it's basically this idea, the fellowship concept is basically that we are actually sharing something together. So when Peter says it in this top text and he adds on this part, he says um, that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He's saying that we are actually feasting on Jesus Christ, right? He's going to bring more context in the next scripture, but he's saying, like, I don't want to just be your friend. I want you to come into this feast, but the feast is Christ, right? It's the gospel. It's the good news. Y'all with me so far? All right, hit your neighbor, see if they're still awake. So he says, I want you to feast with us. Now we're going to go into verse 5. This is the meat of our text today that I really want you to get. He says, after he says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. In verse 4, he says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It's another supremacy scripture right here. That's, a found, that's the foundational scripture for the whole text we're about to get into. He's, 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 hitting, he's making a definitive statement. There's no wiggle room in there. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So he's going to hinge everything on the supremacy, the holiness, the righteousness of God that's about to follow in these statements. Y'all awake? Yeah. All right. Verse 6, he says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I don't know about you. Whenever I read that scripture, I get a slight jab of condemnation. Does anybody kind of feel that? You can tell the truth. I mean, like when I read it, it's like, just think about it for a minute. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Whenever I hear that text for years or whatever, I, like, I really like this scripture, but sometimes I'm like, that part makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable a little bit. I'm like, you know, I love the Lord and all that. I'm not perfect at all or whatever. And I start trying to work through all this stuff or whatever. Like, what does it mean? Even when we actually worked on this text as a group during our staff meeting, we all, we kind of spent our time on this, like, you know, like, what does he mean by darkness and all that? Because like, everybody's like, am I in darkness or whatever? I had an argument with somebody the other day. I got mad with somebody and we start vetting through all of these things. But like, what does he actually mean there? What is he saying there? It's sort of condemnation usually sets in or whatever, right? Our mind starts floating all over the place. And then there's this, that word again, fellowship. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I think one of the things that is really important about this text right here, that's a really big word that we could go past, is the idea of practice, right? Let me give you a definition for it. To practice something is to perform frequently, customarily, or habitually. To exercise or follow a, pro a profession, a trade, uh, customary or constant use, the state of being used. A skill or dexterity acquired by use is expertness, right? The idea when it's talking about practice here, it means that you have actually undermined the verse above it. The idea that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, to practice something means that you have actually brought darkness into it and elevated over God. And it means that you've actually made it like something that is actually your custom. You get where I'm coming from? So like there's one thing to kind of walk, to sin, to be grieved over it, 
I need to work through this stuff. Because if you even have an inkling that you need to work through something or fix something or something may not be right, it's Holy Spirit actually working on you, kind of pushing you towards the light, right? But if you refuse and you, and you kind of say, that's cool, but God, I really don't see it that way or whatever, now you are actually saying, I'm going to actually build systems in my life to keep walking a certain way, and you're going to make a practice out of it. You understand where I'm coming from? It's where you made a declaration that you are that thing that is not God-like. It's like, I don't really care what the Word is saying. I'm going to actually practice this. I'm going to actually become an expert in this. I'm going to become better at this or whatever. This is who I am from an identity standpoint, and God's Word is not going to tell me what that's going to be. So he's talking about making a practice out of something. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There's no room in that space with him. Matthew 7, 23 kind of says it like this. It says, then I will tell them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. It's that idea of work. This is the work I do. Are you a doctor? Yeah, that means you practice on that skill every single day. It says, depart from me, you work iniquity. There's no way to ever alleviate the weight of this verse by the pursuit of perfection. So there's no way to actually read it and go, oh my God, I need to get um, this darkness off of me and I'm gonna start pursuing perfection so I never ever actually step into darkness. It sounds kind of like common sense, the idea of it, but it actually betrays who God is, so we're going to work through a little bit. It, it betrays the idea of the Father being who the Father is, merciful, grace, goodness, love. And that's not to say that God in his grace just says, sin, this right here says there's no room for the darkness with them. So it puts us kind of in this weird space, okay, where like, if I can't kind of just dance in darkness and kind of take advantage of grace, and then there's no room for my darkness with the Father, then what space do we actually land in here? The scripture leads you into this kind of weird question. So let's work through it a little bit more. Verse seven begins to give us a little bit of answers. It answers the questions. It says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Sounds like good stuff. Question is this right here. So what is light? We have to kind of work through this idea of like, what would light be in this text? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, what, what, is, what is that? One of the things I think that's important to know is that there is nowhere, there is nothing, there is nothing on earth, outside of earth, that can actually take the title and the idea of light right? Because light right here in this text is talking about the Father himself, it's talking about the Son Jesus himself, it's talking about Holy Spirit, but it's also talking about supreme holiness that doesn't have a speck of dark in it. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and for the blood of Jesus, and, and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. The 
that's the first part of this text when it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light. When I read that, one of the first things that comes to my mind is like, all I can think of work is like, okay, I need to work now. I need to try to get to the light. One of the things it's also saying in that text right there, whatever it is, is that there's nowhere else to find the light. When it says as he is in the light, he is actually the light, but there's nowhere else to find the Lord at, but to actually where the light is at, right? There's nowhere else to actually find the Lord, but, but, but where he's at in the light. But like, if we are actually not partaking, this goes back to the base of this fellowship statement where we're talking about partaking and, and, and feasting on the Father, we actually have no fellowship if we're not doing that. I want you to think about something for a minute. When we think about churches and what's hard with church, when we think about being in community, whether it's in our neighborhood or all these different things, what actually makes it hard? What makes it hard isn't actually what we think and feel, is that we actually can't come into the light and conversate about what we feel, right? And when we actually do come in the light and discuss what we actually feel or reveal who we actually really are, if you don't have Christ who reigns supreme as Lord and Savior, if you don't have that at all, then, then you're in a jam because you have nothing to do with the brokenness that we all carry. I don't know about you, but I'm broken. I need Jesus really, really back. And somebody throw their hands in the air like they just don't care, right? I got some stuff. But if I, come out, if I come out of the box in front of you and let you know some of my stuff, and you let me some of your stuff, we might both be like, ill. Whoa, I didn't know that. That's how you get down? If we could hear each other's thoughts, we'd be like, oh, what? like, you know, imagine if you could hear thoughts or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's, that's the worst, that'd be the worst superpower in the world, right? Because it's just like, you would be in beef with everybody. You walk in the room, they'd be like, he gaining weight. You'd be like, what the heck did you just say, B? What'd you just say? Like, you get where I'm coming from? Like, you would just be out of your mind, right? But like, the gospel is like, we get to actually come into the light and like, the Lord isn't confused about what to do with this sin. He's not, he, he's not sitting around confused. He's like, he says, my son Jesus, his blood washes all his sin away. It washes it away. He's not confused. He's not caught in a jam when you come out and you expose yourself. He says, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us all, cleanses us from all sin. He has an answer for that. The issue is whether we walk in the light or not, right? Let me tell you something, like, for all of y'all who are in squads, who's in squads in here? Who's in a squad? If you're new here, squads is how we do our small groups. Our small groups are called squads or whatever because we thought it just sound cool. Or I don't know. It's not going to get real until your mess spills out on the table, until somebody's mess spills out and everybody follows suit, suit and starts confessing their sin, that's the only time it's gonna get real. If you put the lipstick on the pig and show up and try to play cute, then it's just gonna be a game, right? You gotta let the Miss Piggy out. I don't know what that means, I'm sorry, anyway. But you get where I'm coming from. You have to walk in the light or whatever. It doesn't get real. I, I, I remember when, years ago when the church first started and I was leading a small group, it's like stuff started getting crazy or whatever. And I remember my brother Matt told me, he said, homie, it ain't going to get real until it, like, yo, if somebody junk falls out, make sure you lay yours right on the table right after them. Lay yours, outdo them. 
that's when it gets real, when we know each other. We're not doing anything for each other, whatever, when we have to show up and hide. Now, now, now we're discipling our fake face, our, 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 our fake person. It betrays fellowship. Now we're not really having any experience with Christ at all, with the Lord, because we're not even showing up being truthful. We're not walking in the light. We're standing in the darkness playing this game. It says, but if we walk in the light, he's in the light. We have fellowship with one another. This thing where we feast on the Lord and we are needy. We, a lot of us just raised our hand. We said, yo, I need him. I'm, I'm jacked up. I need him. That doesn't disqualify you. That says, this, that, you're right on time. So it's, it, it, you're right on time. And the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. That's what it was for. That's what the blood was for. You know, back in the day, I used to walk on a cane for a couple years, right? And the thing about me that was hard about walking on the cane was that it gave me a crazy perspective. It changed my perspective on, in life forever because I used to wake up and I used to feel like a hero that I was getting up walking, doing my thing. I had the walker thing with the, with, the, with the, you know, tennis balls on the bottom and all that. And I used, to, I used to feel like a hero. And then when I would make it to church or wherever I would make, I'd be in the streets, everybody's face would look at me like, you're a failure. Like it would look, it, it just was this thing where I got a perspective of what it was like to have deal with a physical ailment through the eyes of other people. And it was heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It works on me till this day or whatever. And it's not that like, here's the thing. I'm not saying like I'm different than people who were on the other side of it. I just got a taste of the other side and it rocked me a bit, right? And I so bad didn't want to be in the condition that I was actually in, but I was broken. And I needed a cane so I wouldn't fall. I needed a cane so I wouldn't trip. I needed a cane to get up out of the chair. I needed a cane to sit down. I needed a cane for everything. But it was like it was too real for people. Like I always felt like they were tolerating the king. And matter of fact, I got to the point where I, I actually, I stopped actually going to the church at a certain point because it's like people couldn't tolerate me needing a cane. So every time I walked in the hallway, I got pinned up against the wall with like a gang of people whatever, with the holy rollers laying hands on me. And I was like, look, man, you didn't pray for a brother the past eight Sundays. Just let me get, I just want to get to my chair, all right? I'm trying to walk, I'm sweating, I can barely walk or whatever. And they're like, you gonna get this prayer, brother, this morning. And I'm like, please. They're like, I love prayer. I love pray for healing, the whole deal. But I, I just, I couldn't take it anymore because what started to feel like it was behind it was more of like an intolerance for me being as broken as I was. Y'all get where I'm coming from? That cane for me was the light. I didn't want to need the light. I didn't want to need the cane but I had to have the cane to function. That's what it's like for us when it comes to walking in the light. Like, either you actually need this light or you don't. What I ended up doing with the cane situation is I, became, I, I got so vexed with dealing with that situation, I actually jumped off the cane way too early and I started trying to walk around and act like I was whole. And I wasn't whole at all. That's what a lot of us do in the church. That's actually become culture in the church. 
we put the lipstick on the pig and we just roll out like that and that becomes what church culture actually is for us. That's why this scripture and this text right here is so pivotal to what it means to actually be a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Like this is concrete right here we're talking about. And it tells you that. When it says that he's light and there's no darkness in him, he's telling it, saying that everything else is a game. I'm going to hit verse 8 and verse 10 together because they're kind of doing the same dance. Verse 10 says this. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's present tense, right? Verse 10 says this. It says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Breaking this down right here, right? Verse 8 says, deceive ourselves. Verse 10 says, make him a liar. There's a personal deception that comes with us hiding in the darkness. And then there's this utter disrespect to the holiness in the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Because we say he's a liar. That's where this becomes, that's where we, like, this is, this is heavy. This is like where we're playing with the doctrine of demons, right? If I'm just, I want, I want to be explicit and really, really heavy for you. Because here's the thing. The earlier thing I talked about where you, where it says, like, if you're walking in darkness or whatever, and you feel this condemnation or whatever sometimes or whatever, and it's kind of like, uh, this and that. Jesus' blood takes care of that. The scary part of this is actually the way we're willing to take the holiness of God and just slam it on the ground and make it nothingness to protect our self-righteousness. I'm guilty of that. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Isaiah 520 says this, it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. The text is saying you have to rewrite God's word. You have to take God, pull him down, look him in the face like he's just a man, and go, uh, I feel you, I read your book, I ain't feeling all that, I see it like this. You ever talk to anybody, whatever, and they're like, you know, yeah, I don't really do all that, but I'm spiritual. I swear to you, I hear that at least once a week. Y'all get where I'm coming from? I'm spiritual. Let me iron that out to you for real. What, what's actually being said is, yeah, I don't esteem God's word like that, but I feel kind of godly within myself and with the notions I feel in my heart. I've created some ide- ideologies around it that I actually walk those paths now, whatever, and this and that. I just feel it works this way better, whatever. So, yeah, but God's cool and all that. I ain't got beef with him. No, you got, you got beef. You understand where I'm coming from? That's what's in the heart of the statement. Sounds cute. But it's ugly. It got the lipstick on the pig, the whole thing done. It's, it's, it's really ugly. It's hiding in the darkness real deep. And as a matter of fact, it's, done, it's taking it to another level. It's now calling the darkness light. Evil, good, and good, evil. Bitter, sweet, and sweet, bitter. And it says the outcome of us is pretty explicit. The truth is not in us, and his word is not in us. Let's look at verse 9. 
verse 9, says this. It says, if we confess our sins, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 9 is actually the good news to verse 6. Verse 6 says this, If we say we have fellowship with him while we are in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This is the answer. This is the good news. God is not naive to think any of us are actually walking around sin-free. He sees you hidden under the blood of Jesus. Jesus is sin-free, holy and perfect. Story was never about you being that. It's about the blood of Jesus making you that. Christ is the hero in the story. Christ is the one to be praised and worshiped. If we boast about anything, we boast about Christ, right? And we get to wear that righteousness and be the royal priesthood and all of that good stuff. But the thing that we marvel and celebrate in is in the work of Christ and its magnificent power to remove our iniquities from us. It's like when you get down to it, the weightiness of it, it's not even on the sin aspect because there's been an answer for that. The weightiness comes on your confession. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to his promise made through Jesus Christ to remove the sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the problem we have is do we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or have we rewritten that gospel to be something else that says something like, hey, you know, try to stay good, be a good person, do your thing, whatever, you know, you know, don't hurt nobody or whatever, and walk this path. Are we able, are we, are, we, are we needy or are we actually, have we arrived at being pretty decent and good? That's the jam it puts you in. Do you need your cane or do you not need the cane? Do you need the cane but you're going to actually tuck it away and hide it to make everybody think that you're whole? Are you going to, or, or when God shines the light on your mess, when he begins to convict your heart and shows you where you're broken and you're missing it at, you know, do you, by the power of God, drag it out into the light? That's what he's calling for us to do here. Because it's huge. But he's answered this through confession, right? Let me read this to you. This is Micah 7, 18. Because I think it's super important. I think this is super important. Like in verse 4, um, what, what's happening here is John is mirroring the heart that we see in verse 4, right? So in verse 4, they end, it, they, they end their text with saying, John ends the text by saying this. He says, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So John is dropping this bomb, but a part of the reason he's doing it, one of them he said was, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So he's mirroring the heart of the Father 
because the heart of the Father is about to be displayed in what I'm about to read to you. And this is important for us to know because it's important for us to know because when it comes to the idea of actually walking in the light, exposing your sin, exposing where you're broken, I don't know about you, but I got a problem kind of walking in, in the light in front of people I don't trust. Do you ever feel that? Right? All right, don't make me be crazy. Like, that's the part of the hard part, even with your small groups. That's why it's so important when somebody actually, when something spills on the table or when somebody has to confess some sin, it's so important on how we respond because the way we respond, if we respond like ill or if we respond like glory to God, God is sufficient and, and, and lavish people with love and mercy and grace and give them this beautiful thing that we get from the Lord back to them, we start to gain credibility, right? We start to gain credibility. But you, you're not going to do that unless you know that that is the heart that the person has in front of you, right? We gain credibility through, through, through responding and acting like our Father. Let me, tell, let, let me read what it says here. It's Micah 7. I love looking at old, old, like old Testament stuff and different books inside of the Bible and, and different things that just describe the qualities of God. So I'm not taking it out of context. I'm just grabbing on the characteristics so I could just hear. It's like, you know, with my father, my father, my real life father is dead. But I love to hear people talk about him because I don't feel like I completely know him like I wish I could have. So when I hear people, they're like, yeah, man, yo, your dad used to do that. I'm like, I get so happy to hear it. Listen to what he says about our father, right? It says, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. Can you say he delights? He delights in steadfast love. It changes the whole game or whatever when you're reading this text because, yeah, it gets a little scary because we aren't perfect, but we actually, we have a father who actually delights to swallow up your sin, your, 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 your iniquities in the, his light of goodness and holiness and righteousness, purchased for you by the blood of Jesus, delights in it so much that he put his own son on the cross as atonement for your sins. You understand what I'm talking about? This is not the light that you run from. This is the light you go swan dive into that baby. You get where I'm coming from? You know what I'm saying? You just hit it. Boom, I'm in it. Give it to me. That, you know, this isn't what you run from. This isn't the father you run from. It's the one you run to. It's the one that we desire to be like, the father-like, to be a parent-like, to be a brother-like, a sister-like. says he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Sounds like he's actually at war with our iniquities, right? He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast out our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. He tread on them the blood of Christ. The cross swallows it all up. I have a friend, um, one of my dear friends or whatever dude that I, I met back in the day when I had my clothing store. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, we used to see each other all the time. He had a clothing line also or whatever. And so it was like, you know, it was just that kind of weird thing where you'd be like, yo, what's up, bro? I see you, okay, or whatever. You know, it's a little funny a little bit. And um, 
And so over time, we kind of became friends, and we used to have the Bible study inside of the store or whatever, right? And, um, and so I used to tell him all the time, I'm like, man, I'm like, yo, you should come to the Bible study. And he's like, I don't know about that, brother. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, I'm out here living extra foul. And he used to, I don't, I don't know exactly what he was into, but he, he used to be like, you know, give me that look where he'd be trembling. He's like, I'm out here living like the devil, brother. Like, you know, he used to be serious to where I used to be like, bro, what is you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I know some cats doing some dirt, but he just had a different type of conviction about his dirt. I'm like, I, I don't want to know, man. Just get the Bible study, right? So I went at him for a couple of, you know, for a while, whatever, probably for like about a year or so. I was always telling him like, yo, come to the Bible study, come to the Bible study. And I never forget the first night he comes to the Bible study, he comes in, sits in the corner, the whole room was packed, and we start getting in the Bible study. And we, and people are like talking about their sin and their struggles. And this is how he responds. Like, like I say to him, I, go, I said, hey, I said, yo, oh, you want to say something? And he goes, he, go, he jumps up, he's like, yo, man, this is crazy. He's like, oh, this is how y'all do it? This is how y'all do Bible study? Okay, y'all just putting dirt on the table? I got some stuff to tell everybody. And he just starts going in. He's like, yo, I've been this and that, da da da. But listen, I'm popping pills on top of pills and thrills on top of thrills. And he just, he just lets it all out. But like, he felt the light in the room. Like, he was like, he's like, I didn't come, I, I didn't want to come in your, your, like, I didn't think I was welcoming your fellowship because I thought that y'all were playing church as I thought it was, and y'all were going to be in there just hiding, being cute. And I was going to sit in there trying to tolerate it like, y'all told like, I'm just, all I can do, all he could do is, all he would be able to do is walk away feeling condemned because we all cute and got it all together. But it's not really the truth. So when he came in and he heard us in there confessing sin, needy for Jesus, fellowshipping, feasting on the gospel and the good news and all displaying how bad we actually needed that, he was like, homie, I'm right at home. It's like I'm right at home. And he just let it all spill out. He just got ordained a couple months ago as a pastor. we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's who he is. He delights in wiping away our iniquities. Delight is to be swan-dived into, not to be ran from, not to be ran from. Worship team, you could come up. I want to read this scripture to you right here. John 3 takes this text of 1 John 1, and it just brings the whole thing together really beautifully. And I just want to read that to you, and then we'll pray. John, we're going to start off with John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I know the scripture seems cliche to everybody, but listen to what he's saying. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That's the light you run to. That's the value you have. That's what your sin actually cost to be removed. That's how ugly your sin is. That's, how, that's why it's ridiculous for us to throw the lipstick on the pig because the pig is way too ugly. The lipstick won't help it out. It won't help it out. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. That last part right there where it says so that it may be, clear, be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God, that is, not, that is not talking about so we could all see how awesome you really are. That is actually saying that you've actually come to the light to show your brokenness and your need for Christ and the works that come out of the fruit of feasting on Christ only glorify the Lord in the work of the Lord. Church, stand, let's pray. By your heads. God, Father, we praise you, Lord. We thank you and we worship you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us, Father. God, we pray, Father, Lord, that you empower us, Father, Lord, to draw to the light. Forgive us, Father, Lord, for loving our broken and wicked deeds at times, Father, Lord, and just hiding. Um, we repent of it, Father, Lord. I repent of it, Father, Lord. Help us, Father, Lord, to grow. Um, in this area, Father, Lord, where we actually walk in the light, we confess our sins, where we have fellowship with each other to encourage each other, to point each other to Jesus, Father. I pray, Father, Lord, that anybody in this room that has heard this message today, Father, Lord, that they would not leave feeling condemned, but they would feel love, and they would feel beckoned to walk in the light. I pray, Father, Lord, that there's people in here that don't know you, Father, Lord, that they would want to say, I want to be a part of a fellowship of people who are actually needy and feasting off the good news of the gospel. Forgive us when we play cute. Forgive us, Father Lord, when we try to paint this picture like we are not as wretched as we are. If our thoughts alone were laid on the table, Father Lord, we would be completely out of gas. Forgive us for our thoughts. Forgive us for the evil that stirs in our hearts at times. For the things we think of each other, Father Lord for our classism, our elitism, our just blatant hatred, Father. We thank you, Father Lord, that you have shined the light on us. We know we haven't saved ourselves, but you have actually drawn us to you, Father Lord, out of your mercy and your grace. Forgive us trying to, for trying to steal um, your glory. And, and, and draw the picture and make it about us and about what we do and oh I'm, I'm good so I choose good things it's not the truth we have nothing to give but what you've given us Father I pray that that's good news to people this day I pray that that's good news to people who are like I can't keep up with the show if y'all are this good I can't keep up with it I pray that they wouldn't see us but they would see the gospel I pray that I would continue to see the gospel I pray that I would continue to lavish in the light of of, of your glory, Father Lord, and stop trying to create my own. 
So, God, we praise you. We thank you for Jesus, Father. We thank you for the blood that cleanses our sins, Father, Lord. In the past, Father, Lord, for our past deeds and for our present and for our future deeds, Father. We thank you, Father, Lord, for the promise of eternity, Lord, that we know is sure. We give you glory for that. We thank you for the community you've brought together from so many different places this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, we are going to actually take communion. Um, this is something we do as a family of believers. This is the way we actually fellowship and we actually feast on the Lord. The Word of God says that His body was broken um, for us, right? And this is one of the ways that we actually celebrate it is through communion. If you're not a believer, we would love for you to take communion with us, but I do want to give you this warning. The Word of God says that if you're not a follower of Christ, then you shouldn't partake in the table until you have clearly expressed that decision. And if you feel like you're wrestling with that today and you want to have, you have questions about it, we'll have some people up here that can pray with you and talk through it, and we would love to meet you and love to talk more about Jesus with you. Love y'all.